If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blubbity blah. The blubbity blah. Sending out good vibes. Blubbity blah. Good vibes. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We have got Bernie Taylor back on the show. I mean, he's been around for a while now. I think he was originally on the show maybe four or five years ago. We first stumbled upon Bernie's work. I forget what the first thing was. I think it was, I think the first thing was the new saying that the ancients had a different zodiac than us and they had all these different animals, but it was, you know, so. He had that, and then we got... Actually, the very first time was probably the cave art, if I remember correctly, the Pareidolia cave art, which Bernie would say is not Pareidolia. It is the episode art for this show. So, bam, committed to that right there. And uh, you can go there, and Bernie, if you listen, if you could look at that while we're talking in this episode, because countless times Bernie refers to this and refers to some different animals that he sees in this picture, in this art, in this cave. Not Which we have on video, right? It is on video. If you want to head over to the YouTube channel, give us a subscribe and a is like. Is it there now? Or? I don't know. I think it is. Because it was live, right? Can we live stream? No, I don't think we did. I think that this was just before we started live streaming. Interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure that it's It will video, be right? there. Yeah, yeah, it will be there. So, of course, that's everybody's favorite podcaster, Graham, living the dream, Dunlop. A little <laughs> hot. It's a hot dream. Getting that's ready nice. for another trip. Yeah, I like the, the heat. Like I was telling you, it's weird that it gets hot in the evening. That's the hottest part of the day in Alberta. I'm used to still BC where it gets hot in the middle of the day. And the mornings are frigid. In Alberta? Yeah, always. Sometimes. Because hmm. of the altitude. Burns off back home. It's 30 degrees. It's like 28 at night. Yeah. That's it. Bam. Yeah. Heat waves, a proper heat wave. Here you can always, you can never go camping around here and not have a hoodie. In the middle of August. I mean, never mind the bugs. But especially if you go out like, because all the best camping spots, you're probably another 2,000 feet up from here. The bugs aren't always bad, though, are they? I mean, they're not, bugs not bad right now at all. The first like couple months of the year, it's no problem. Right now, there's no bugs. It looks like I don't know. I'm gonna go camping. First camping trip coming up in two weeks. Where are you going? A uh, fishing hole. Oh yeah, yeah. Out of the fishing spot to catch a bunch of fish. It's that time of year where you just catch a ton of fish. Nice. Yeah, that'll be the same day you leave for uh, Spokane. 
for Washington Scablands with Randall Carlson. I mean, we might as well mention that now. There's a couple spots left only. It's full. It's going to be fully packed. It's not one spot left only. No, there's a couple left. There you go. Contact at cabin.com if you guys want to get in on it. Meet the fabulous Randall Carlson, Bradley Young. Uh, both of the brothers serpent. of the serpent will be there. Yeah, Graham will be there. I'll be there the last night uh, to close things out. And it's going to be a time down there in Washington. The weather's looking good. Springtime, everything's just, it's like part of like three weeks of the year where everything in that desert's a little bit greener. The flowers are blooming a little bit. The ones that do, it's kind of, I prefer the, uh, the spring plants in the spring. Yeah. I must say. I must say, so, um, how you been? How's, uh, the, how's, how's things? Are you enjoying your spring? Well, I mean, it just feels like it just went from winter to summer. I mean, there wasn't a spring. It's just gone this to summer. Spring. This is what happens. It just goes from winter to summer. This is spring. Well, no, no, it's not. It's like summer. It's just summer weather. So I, I'm, enjo- I'm enjoying it. It's nice to, you know, it's nice that it's light out. Summer's when the days are like. 18 hours long. I just got to get out there and exercise outside a little bit more instead of exercising inside. So I'll probably put the rollerblades on, do some short, short rollerblading around, oh the, around the walks. Tell me if you do. I'll okay. Find you with the get, keep your drone away from my area. I'll see if I can find you with the drone and get some <laughs> shots to you. I had crashed the one drone, so I had to buy a new one. I kind of, I've had my eye on the mini one anyway. It's like under the limit that you have to like be on the radar, you know, like, because my old one was heavy enough. The Canadian rules, I had to have a license. It's registered. It has like an air flight number and all this crazy shit. Actually, that reminds me to give you my old one so that you could give it to Russ. Oh, I got to bring it down. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So he could take the batteries and salvage whatever part of the okay. up that he right. can. Because yeah. I crashed it and it's. I actually was going to try and fix it, but I took it apart and I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. This is, I mean, it doesn't look too bad. It wouldn't have been too bad, but I definitely get into like melting solder and resoldering and stuff like that on tiny little circuit boards, which is definitely not my specialty. I don't really have the patience for that sort of thing. So you can give it to Russ and he can at least use it as spare parts for his drum. And I got the little one. I don't have to tell no one about it. I can just fucking pop it out. It's a little smaller. Doesn't seem to affect it. I mean, maybe it has a couple less features. Still pretty quick. I got I've gotten it all over to your house a couple of times, but I just I can't tell where it is. And it's because there's like between my place and your place is those crazy power lines. And eventually they end up killing the signal. Really? Yeah. And then it just ends up coming home on its own. And you see it like it comes over and lands in the air. It's pretty amazing, actually. If I could show that to like my 10-year-old self, he would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> With the camera on it and everything? Yeah. Could you imagine? Like, could you imagine having that in the 90s? I remember when we used to go up to Whistler and party and stuff, my friend made a special trip to get a phone when the phones first had their cameras. So that would have been I don't know, early 2000s or late 90s. I mean, I, I think it was early 2000s still. But it was really like, the you know, the cameras didn't have phones for for quite a while. And then he was like, oh, yeah, getting that camera phone. Now I can make the camera just fly around. 
five kilometers. This one goes four kilometers high and ten kilometers away. But the Canadian law says it can't go above 400 meters. Hmm. Okay, what do you want to get to first? Well, what other Canadian laws are there that that you want to talk about? I have the Canadian gun laws. Do you want to do that? Or do you want to do something new? Well, yeah. Well, we got liberals. So they, um, this is from the corporate media. The liberal government is proposing a government media, you mean? Sorry. You should correct yourself there. The government media. (laughs) Probably. Is this from now? What's the date on this? What's the date here? Oh, yeah, May 1st, 2023. That's the day, right? So the Liberal government is proposing a ban on assault-style firearms that would apply once legislation comes into force. It also plans to recreate a Federal Firearms Advisory Committee that will make recommendations on the classifications of guns now in the market. After days of behind-the-scenes negotiations, Public Minister Marco Mendocino? Mendocino outline the revamped federal approach today. Uh, So we got the liberals withdrew a gun bill amendment in February that would have spelled out in law. So that was all those other um, ones. This is the wrong one again. You know, I had a better page before. Uh, Let me go. Let me go. Are you noticing electronic glitches at all with your stuff? No, my shoulder hurts, so okay. I'm having very frustrating electronic glitches lately. That could be your like nickname. And a headache last couple of days. Really? Which is weird. Now I got a new Shaw cable thing. I installed a new cable thing. So I'm wondering if that's like some high powered fucking thing that's in my bedroom. Probably five G. So I think they like so they're gonna add like four hundred. Remember they're gonna add a bunch of guns to the little gun ban. Yep, including the SKS. I think was one of them. The my my AR clone thing. Yeah, but you got those, so they're not gonna come after them. You just can't buy them anymore after this, right? Well, they've withdrawn that. Okay. Um. And then I. I can't remember. I think they're limiting the magazines too. They're limiting the magazines to five. So we used to be able to buy a 30 round magazine and it's like, it's just got a little screw in it. So it can't go past five. And I think they're now banning those all together. Wow. So now if you want to do that, you have to, they have to like, I don't know. I guess they'll just make special little five-shot clips. They probably exist already. I already have a bunch of the other ones, so I'm not too worried about it. And they said all the guns that we have are fine. And I'm an Indian anyway, so I'm exempt from it, I'm pretty sure. And I don't care what they say. So, But I am going to go tomorrow down to the gun shop and see if they've got any of those those larger capacity magazines still kicking around. Right. So what's the big change here then? I'm sort of not following what the big change is. I mean, the magazine thing would probably be the biggest change. And that they're making a committee and they're going to, so it seems like they're They're ramping it up. They're not stopping. Yeah. Yeah. It all comes down sooner than later. Yeah. All right. Do you want to do, I did a little, I don't know how I got roped into this little 
political quiz or something? Oh no, political quiz. I mean, is this going to get us like canceled or striked out or anything? Alberta only. Alberta only. What does that mean? Well, it just sort of tells you because we have an election coming up here in like a month, I think. Okay. Uh, so it kind of just tells you who you, where you align politically. Okay. And I, you know what? I think I seen it on Twitter. Um, I seen someone had it on Twitter and I copied theirs. So, you know, I could probably just share the screen. You see it? Yep. Okay. Yeah, and I just that uh, showed where they lie. It's like the grid, obviously, with the left and the right. But there's segmented. six parties. There's six people. Yeah, this is uh, Daniel Smith, UCP, yeah. Notley, NDP. I don't know. Liberal, Wild Rose, Greens. I don't know huh. who this is. I think they're pretty far right. But it's really mainly like NDP and and oh, conservatives. It's the postal code. What? I'm not going to say that here. Just can't you use yours. Okay, oh. zero. Yeah, go back. Zero. No, no. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zero a six. All right. All right. This is it. This is you. Okay. Do I have to do this now? No. So sometimes freedom is so it's all the same question. Okay. So it's um it's either gonna be sometimes freedom of speech has to be limited, and every time it's gonna be strongly disagree, somewhat disagree, neutral, somewhat agree, strongly agree. Or you I mean, don't. it's not freedom of speech if it's limited. I don't get it. It's a stupid I question. I don't need an explanation. Okay, I a... disagree strongly. Disagree? Strongly disagree? Yeah. Yeah. People who use illegal drugs oh, should have access geez. to supervised consumption sites. I don't know, dude. I, I mean, these are all like these are all complex. I'll tell you what, I complex pick, questions. I I'm going to put neutral. Strongly disagree. Okay, I'm going to put somewhat disagree. Oh, too late. Okay, go, back. Go, back. go back. Go back. Somewhat disagree. No, no, no. Go back. Okay. Neutral. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah it's a complex thing. Yeah. I strongly disagree that tax dollars should be used on junkies. Unless it's getting them off the streets. That's what I. Well, that's what I'm getting at. There's there's some there's some conditions that have to be. Along, go along with that. The cost of maintaining Alberta's park should be paid for. When I was doing drugs, when I was, you know, using, yeah. I knew that getting busted was part of the thing. You know what I mean? We were scared of cop. Yeah. Did I tell you? But that, I the cop but that, but that, that fucks one? you up too, though. That fucked me up too, though. I had a lot of guilt and shame over that, right? Did I so, tell you I pulled a cop over downtown the other day? You pulled a cop over? Yes. Why? Uh, I just pulled him up beside him out of the light and made him roll down his window. Well, because there's like, I'm walking around downtown and there's like a, a kid's like daycare center there. And it's on like the second floor. There's kids running around playing. And like right underneath that dude, there's like a bunch of people smoking crack straight up out in the street. Bunch of them just smoking crack straight up. And the cop just like, this cop, I'm, I'm behind this cop and he like just drives by and he's looking at him. 
And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. And then we're like, we go around the next corner and we have to like stop driving down the street downtown, 12th Ave. We have to stop. Well, a couple other like zombies, you know, you know, the people that are so far gone that they're just total fucking zombies, like walking dead, just wandering out into the street so that me and the cop are like stopping while they want just wander across the road and, and wander off to, I don't know, maybe stab somebody. But, uh, and then I was just like, huh. So I pulled up beside him on light and I was like, what do you, what do you guys do? What do you do? He's like, not much. <laughs> so that was it. <laughs> I drove off. What do you do? I made the comment that as I said, it's like the fucking walking dead out here. What the fuck? It was like, <sighs> we just walked by a couple of fucking crackheads. It's just like, you're fine with it. So people start getting fucked up, you know? People's yeah. shit gets stolen. You know, it's fine for people's stuff to get no, it's stolen. Not, it's not fine. The, the crime doesn't seem to matter either. This is the problem. They, you know, I tried to report these crimes when my bike got stolen and stuff like that, and it's ridiculous. They don't, they don't, they don't want to do anything. They, they don't do anything. I know cops. I have a friend who says they just go to, they let them out. They let them off right away, and they go to another neighborhood and do the same thing. Now they're not even bothering to pull over. And you know what? It's not even that that really fucking bugs me. It's but they're just like fucking keep hammering me with like speeding tickets and shit. You know what I mean? Or these little like or park little fees, fucking parking tickets, and this and that. And it's just like fuck you, motherfuckers. Anyway, he didn't have much to say. All right, so let's do the next one, which is about park fees. Okay, the cost of maintaining Alberta's park should be paid for by user fees rather than tax dollars. Again, like I, you know, it's too like. Are you telling me that my taxes are actually going to get reduced? I don't trust that they're going to institute fees and then the taxes are going to go up. I mean, this is a, you know, this is this is a stupid question. I don't trust any of it. Neutral. I pick strongly disagree. Because okay, hang on, hang on, go back. My go thing back. is, you're not Somewhat. getting any more money. You figure out what you fucking got. Somewhat disagree. Public and schools. That's not to say I'm going to give you more money. You're not getting any more money. It's like you've got the money you got, and it's more than enough. Quit wasting it and figure it the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Private schools should be eligible for for public funding. I I just I don't even understand that question. Well, I mean, it's an oxymoron. Where do the private schools get their money from now? The people that go there? Well, yeah, that would be like the tuition. Well, why, why Why? would they be eligible for public funding? I don't understand. What, what Is this a big controversy that's happening? I don't know. Just answer the question. Neutral. <laughs> Alberta should use windfall resource revenues to pay down its debt rather than restore funding for public services. We have windfall we have windfall resource revenues. I mean, well, yeah, they did. Didn't you sign up for the thing? Oh, dude, if you sign up, they they've been sending me a hundred bucks a month. I'm a socialist. <sighs> fucking Actually, I just signed up for it because if they're giving fucking money away after all the money they're taking from me, I'm gonna claw back whatever I can. It was Instagram ad that got me. Hmm. If you did your taxes last year. Hmm. So, to pay down its debt rather than restore funding for public services. Restore funding. So, the funding got taken away for public services. I just, I can't do this. Come on. Neutral. I don't know. I mean. I would strongly disagree. 
was my take because uh or no i strongly agree i think they should pay the debt down instead of having any public services fucking cancel them all alberta's under albertans under 18 of age should have a lower minimum wage than adults i don't know I, what did you they, say for this one? kids have their own you know should you be able to pay 60 well, what's it what is it right now i don't know probably not i, I don't know just to end the, what do you, just i put just put don't know on this one don't know okay don't know how much should university students have to pay for their education much oh my less, god somewhat less uh same as now people with severe and incurable because this is canada not the states the universities are different right they're not so expensive here they're pretty expensive but still are they okay people with severe and the government shouldn't be involved in it is my take on it so people with severe and incurable mental illness should be able to request a medically assisted death Severe and incurable mental illness. Somewhat disagree. The Alberta government should restrict unvaccinated individuals from <laughs> non-essential public spaces during a health public public wow. health emergency. Strongly so, disagree. I mean, wow. I can't believe that's even in there. How much should Alberta do to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions? Much less. That's what I picked here. Fuck. No law-abiding Alberta should be prohibited from owning a gun. Um, strongly agree. Yeah. I wonder if you had said that ten years ago when we started the show. Is it our anniversary today? No, not for another month, right? Oh, yeah. Should the wealthier people pay more taxes? No, how much should the wealthier people pay in taxes? All right. How much should the wealthier people pay? That's what you put for this one. I said same as now. It's just, yeah, same as now. It's just not, it's just too much. There's too many other things. These are not okay, fair Alberta, questions. Really. Yeah. Alberta pays more than its share to support the rest of the country. Strongly agree. How much of a role should the private sector have in health care? Less, more, you know, the same. Um, much more. Uh, that's what I said to you. The Alberta government should limit how much landlords can increase the rent they charge tenants. Strongly agree. I strongly disagreed. So let me be different. Federal government policies are more to blame for the rising cost of living than its price gouging by corporations. And here's the reason I went to strongly disagree is because I know some people who just renewed their mortgage and just got hammered with 600 bucks. What if that was a rental property? I mean, you could argue that they, you know, they have the rental property so it's their problem and they're in the upper class or whatever, but most Well, you just have to have protection from the tenants so that it doesn't just escalate super high. Like, that's the problem. I feel you, dog. So this one, blame the rising cost of living. Federal, yeah, I'd say uh, I strongly... I, Okay, let's read the question here because this is important, the wording. Federal government policies are more to blame for the rising cost of living than its price gouging by big corporations. Yeah. I mean, I just the government's at the heart of all of it. Strongly agree. What'd you say? 
I strongly agreed because I think that printing money is at the heart of the problem. And carbon tax. The Alberta government should permit new coal mining projects on the eastern slopes of the Rockies. Agree. Somewhat or strongly? Strongly. I also picked that. The environmental we, the environmental damage caused by the oil sands industry is exaggerated. I somewhat agree. Did you strongly the, agree? Should have done the whole thing in uh the Alberta government <laughs> use its budget surplus to reduce personal income taxes rather than expand public services. I think this has already been a question. This is a no-brainer. Reduce, yeah, reduce personal income taxes, please. Strongly agree. That's uh, an easy one. Indigenous communities. I was, community too, I was too caught off guard by the voice. This would be a curious one for you. Indigenous communities in Alberta should have a veto over natural resource development projects in the province. Will you try to appease your Indian co-host? Yeah, I somewhat agree to that. I strongly disagree. If it's on Indian land, fine. If it's not, then... Oh, that's... Well, isn't that what it means? It doesn't seem like it says in the province. Oh. How high should the minimum wage be? Much lower, somewhat lower. Same as now, somewhat higher, much higher. Somewhat higher. Commie. <laughs> Routine vaccination. Oh my God. Strongly disagree. <laughs> Strongly disagree. <laughs> Alberta should take a tougher stance in dealing with the federal government. Uh, strongly agree. Schools should always inform parents if their child uses different gender pronouns in the classroom than they do at home. Strongly agree. I mean, people possessing, here's another one we're probably going to differ. People possessing a small amount of illegal drugs for personal consumption should not face criminal charges. Yeah, I strongly agree. I disagreed. Did you? Why? Because fucking people are getting stabbed outside of coffee shops. Yeah, but that's not for that's not because of possession. I mean, this is fucking helping. It ain't helping. (laughs) Did you know Vancouver? I I saw it. Now I haven't fact checked this or not, but apparently BC had the. It's worst overdose. They broke their overdose monthly record, like right after they legalized cocaine or whatever. Remember they, mean, like this, like this light-handed approach isn't working. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I don't. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. That's a that's another complex one. I agree with yep. you that it's not working, but th- what was it wasn't working either before. The Alberta government should be able to override federal policies it deems harmful to Albertans. Yeah, I agree. Strongly agree. The Alberta government should intervene to try and bring down housing prices in the province. Um, no. No, they shouldn't intervene in any of this. Strongly disagree. What did you put? I also did that. How much land in Alberta should be turned over to indigenous peoples? Hmm. What'd you put? I put somewhat more. Yeah, that's what I was going to put. 
No one should be prohibited from giving, and that would be uh, government land, not uh, private. private land. Right, right. No one should be prohibited from giving a speech at a university because of their political views. I strongly agree. Alberta should have its own provincial police force in place of the RCMP. Somewhat agree. Kind of scared. The OPP kind of sucks, don't they? Yeah, they do. Question of the day. <laughs> Question of the day. Do you think young, that young Albertans today will be better or worse off than their parents? Worse. I said, uh, well, I think my kids will be much better off. So I just went with my kids. Yeah, someone, they're talking about Albertans in general. How important does this election feel to you? Um, not very important. This has been, uh, would you say that Alberta is moving in the right direction or the wrong direction? Right. Uh, we'll just skip all this. Why? Uh, what is that stuff? This is just like all like, oh, we could probably see what that one party's called for. Alberta party, it looks like. The yeah. Alberta party, yeah. I, I could probably get into the Alberta party. These are like all the individual people. We'll skip all that so we can get to your results. Skip this. Calculating Graham's results. And then we'll compare it to mine. You are... Oh, we're very close. I was, I'm was. i almost directly on top of UCP. I'm like hovering just around the little right. Well, so where am I? Well, where's, where am I? Oh, I see. There's me. Okay. Yeah. I see. So what yeah. we've got here is we've got, uh, I, what's it called? It's a, basically the, the cross. Scatter map maybe or something? Yeah, it's scatter a scatter map? map over crosshairs. And the one crosshair, the the horizontal crosshair is social. Or quadrant maybe. Maybe yeah. it's called a quadrant, quadrant map or something. Yeah, so the south quadrant is conservative socially and the north quadrant is progressive socially uh, economic left is the left obviously economically right is the right obviously and graham is a half a square off so he's like liberal just almost liberal ndp economically and uh oh i see yeah yeah but very yeah. socially conservative which is, you know, the opposite of what I would have thought you would have been when we started the show. Yeah. I just thought you were very socially liberal. Aggressive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't really remember answering a lot to the social like what would make me more socially progressive in this in uh, just this the survey. Indian stuff, I suppose. Well, I, yeah, it's just so weird. I guess it's when you're when you're sort of more of the freedom libertarian thing, like it just. But you do agree with these two parties the most. So you agree with the far right, what we we would call our far right party, the, the most Wild left. Rose Independent Party of Alberta. Yeah, I could get into that, but I think the UCP's gonna be it, right? I don't know. Anyway, I'm just I'm like a little right of you, so I'm exactly where you are socially. Yeah. A little more right economically. Yeah. Yeah. But those are pretty tough questions because it really it really depends on a bunch of factors. It's hard to just answer. But I do like that exercise. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, I figured it would give people kind of a little take on where you're at, you know? Yeah. Where Graham's at. But I mean, my answer to, I got a text from somebody asking who I'd vote for. And my answer was like, I'm completely disillusioned with the whole system and... I have no trust in any of the politicians right now. 
I don't but trust I mean, any of them either, but I'm gonna vote for Danielle just because that's what I that's what she's in there in a few months she's been in there, she's done a few things that have earned me the the to go across the street. You know, it's not hard for us to vote here. Oh yeah, she says she's saying the right things. I just don't have and she's done the, the right things in a couple aspects. You know, she's blocked the federal government from being able to come and get my guns. That's a big plus. I got some hollow points today. And I ordered a new gun safe. And it's a fingerprint one. So I can just pops open. There's my handgun. Also, do you need a smoker? Do I need one? You want one? I don't know. I got a new one. I got a propane one instead of an electric one. So I have my electric one. I might put on Kijiji unless you want to get into smoking. No, I don't think so. No. You'd use a hobby. I got a. I'm, I've got the a hobby to work. I live in the dream. Are you? you seem grumpy. Well, I had a bad day. I, mean, <laughs> I keep trying to come back and tell myself I'm living the dream. Snap out of it. <laughs> it's weird because you got to do everything right, like everything. Fix my computer. Fix this. Fix that. Do the the emails. The marketing. Like this is. It's just everything is part of the job, right? So. You know, it's it's great in a lot of ways, but it also doesn't feel productive sometimes because you're just you're just going through all the things you need to do, right? Answer emails, answer this, answer that, and it's just like, mm-hmm. so it just doesn't feel productive. Like I like to feel like I'm value, adding value, right? <laughs> what summer though? Spring. We should have barbecue. We should get yeah, we should. all down yeah, here. Yeah, we should. Oh, before I forget, I want to mention something. Bernie Bernie sent me something. He thinks he might have made an actual um, a, a mistake reading the quote. And uh, and and the Amish Inquisition got the drop on us on this because we hang on, we hung on, we had too many episodes in the can, so we hung on to this. So congrats to the Amish Inquisition. We'll see them one day at Contact of the Castle. So um, he might have misread a line during our session that. Um, that about Durham University archaeologist Petit wrote, the actual text is, I have no reason not to quote your publication in the future. You are welcome to delete that. Yeah, so he didn't acknowledge priority to publication these three months later, so his words were misleading at best. I just wanted to make sure that he didn't make a mistake. So, yeah, this is an interesting episode because it's really showing like, Showing how academia just sort of takes credit for stuff when they know they weren't the first ones to discover things and they just don't want to engage or give credit where credit's due. It's the profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? It did say a quote, right? I can't hear you, motherfucker. You're muted. Tell me where this quote lands politically, then, because yeah, this is this is a quote. Um, I uh, this is regarding the UN Sustainable Development Goals. This might get us in trouble, but 
I will. Uh, I won't say who wrote it until the very end. I'll, I'll get you just in case you know who it is. UN is an unelected. So this is a, a reply when asked how her company was going to meet the UN SDGs. Okay. This I I just sometimes I come across these things. I'm like this is so well written in a way. I, like I got to read it on the show. UN is an unelected, unaccountable organization whose pronouncements have no bearing on our company's bylaws management principles, and corporate governance. We resent the implication that they do. We do not support UN's sustainable development goals and related ideology as we believe it is vague, self-contradictory, unimplementable, and overall damaging framework designed to promote the interests of wealthy and powerful individuals and corporations at the expense of the working people globally. Sustainability is a purposefully undefined but pleasantly sounding nonsense. The 17 goals made up by overpaid bureaucrats are designed to obfuscate the reality. The monopolizing of control over the world's resources and subjugation of the people who never consented to be governed in this manner. As an example of absurdity, the core of the SDG program for development and poverty reduction relies on industrial growth ever-increasing levels of extraction, production, and consumption. Goal 8 calls for 7% annual GDP growth in the least developed countries and higher levels of economic productivity across the board, calling for less and more at the same time. The most recent example of SDG in action is the devastating collapse of the entire country of Sri Lanka, precipitated by capricious sustainability burdens such as bans on fertilizer and ban on non-organic farming, which led to widespread hardship and civil unrest. It's funny, I just watched a video about that today too. Upcoming guest on Gramerica Outlawed, Matt Errett. I had a synchronicity yeah, with him too. I was, I, was watching, I was watching that video and I, and I had this sense, like I'm like, Matt's going to be on the Union of the Unwanted tonight. And... Uh, so I went on the union and wanted, and Matt was there. I'm like, what the fuck? I totally had this weird synchronicity. I just knew he was going to be there. Um, where am I? Uh, widespread protests of farmers are currently ongoing in the Netherlands and other European countries. The hardworking people are pushed to the brink of despair by the SDG-inspired green nonsense, while UN's corporate sponsors like Bill Gates are simultaneously purchasing all arable land in sight. Sustainable water agenda comes with Nestle's sponsorship, which aims to have all fresh water on earth owned by corporations. Health goals are sponsored by the global pharmaceutical companies and unsurprisingly aim at increasing government purchase of drugs, elimination of individual health choices, and informed consent as already demonstrated by the global COVID-19 policies to date. In summary, we do not support UN and its Agenda 2030. We think nobody should. Collectivist utopias have led to devastation, both human and environmental, every single time they were attempted. And UN's SDG is yet another attempt. We strongly believe in the individual rights to free thought, expression, and self-determination, as only truly free individuals can build a trust, moral, non-fraudulent society for common good. That's it. Georgia Maloney. <laughs> that was from a channel, a telegram channel, Laura Abelie 
Abilie Channel. I think she's a Canadian journalist or media personality, but it was from Alexandra Latipova. I think she's an ex, uh, I think she's an ex pharma spy. Yeah. She's an ex pharma, like high up in pharma. And she's kind of like blowing, blowing the whistle. I think I follow her on Substack now or something. That's the same one. Fantastic work. Fantastic work. If you think we're doing fantastic work, head over to America.ca slash support today. Sign up for monthly, make a one-time donation. You know, less and less people want to support the value for value model for would seem these days, unless maybe the show's not so valuable. Let us know if there's something we're doing wrong or something we got to do better. If you're broke, if you're not, head over to grandmaker.ca slash support today. Sign up for a monthly or make a one-time donation, guys. It's uh, super important. Makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside <gasps> because we get to eat. Um, other than that, you get the audiobooks at brain.ca. GrandAmericaOutlaw.ca for the other podcast. Like we said, we had the Randall trip coming up. We have another trip in the fall. We have the Canadian Hot Spring Adventure in November. That'll be a good one. That'll be nice oh, not yeah. to have to border travel for us. Not to mention Eclipse tickets coming on, up on right away for our first crack at a festival. Uh, so all that stuff, contact at cabin.com. Get over there, sign up for the newsletter. You'll be the first people to get on the get those Eclipse tickets if you want them. It's going to be time. I mean, we're starting to have some, some the final meetings for it, and it's shaping up to be quite the party. I think that's about it. We'll leave it at that. Enjoy the chat, guys, with the fabulous Bernie Taylor. Do you have a bio? I do. He's a naturalist, an author, an archaeoastronomer. His research explores the origins of mankind's creativity and awareness of the natural world. His works in these areas include Biological Time from 2004 and Before Orion, Finding the Face of the Hero in 2017 which explore a deep route to mankind's creative capacity by looking at how hunter-gatherers viewed themselves through Paleolithic cave art to 40,000 years ago. He proposes that select cave paintings are fundamental pieces in the human journey to self-realization, the foundation of astronomy, and a record of biological knowledge that irrevocably impacted some of the artistic styles, religious practices, and stories that are still with us. Of course, he's widely interviewed on podcasts and interactive programs, and uh, he gives engaging talks at popular conferences and academic symposiums across social and physical science disciplines. He's an engaging fella. Enjoy the chat, Bernie Taylor. Welcome back to Grimerica, Bernie Taylor. How's it going? 
Graham and Darren, this is a great day. It is a great day. Today, we're going to speak truth to power. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Yeah, you've been sort of, uh, you know, tied up in some, uh, in some, you know, interesting controversies with your work. So we're looking forward to talking about this. Absolutely. And the story starts with you guys. Do you know that, right? No, no, I didn't. I I sent you Uh an email. March 18th, 2022, and I said, to the Canadian elk hunters, um, I wrote the attached paper for a a European archaeology journal on how to use B.C. Thompson Indian calendars to understand cave art in the Upper Paleolithic, and it might help you with your elk hunting. Do you guys vaguely remember that? And then we had a whole session about it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Okay, we had a whole session about that, and I sent you the the paper. And you put the session, you put like a – teaser on youtube and you put the whole th- the rest of it on roku okay and that paper was from a, a european archaeology journal just say wow you know wow you know wow wow okay. wow and i should mention those are both <laughs> that is on youtube now it's on uh, it's on youtube the whole thing yeah cool okay so it's from prayers the journal uh prehistoria french and english and there's the paper i sent you okay and it was published in the 2021 journal of prehistoria boom okay you heard that and uh so we had our session and afterwards i sent um um sent darren an ojibwe lunar calendar because this is a worldwide phenomenon and darren responded back that was so cool i've learned so much and um it brings back my native roots so that was a year ago okay that was just over a year ago and um early january of this year I got an email on a it was like Tuesday, Wednesday night, just before going to bed from, from an archaeologist, an archaeologist who's been following my work for years. And he sends me this email that's a, it's a, a news story that comes out of the UK from one of the major um, outlets. And it reads just like what I presented to you guys a year ago. And it reads just like the journal article. And it reads back the same stuff going back to 20, uh, 2004. And uh, the type, so news, and this is the, Dor- traces back to Dorm University, uh, archaeologist there, named Paul Petit, P-E-T-T-I-T-T. So make sure you guys put that in your, your notes, that the actual name, so people can find it, including Paul. And uh, so new study reveals evidence of early age writing and what it meant. Oh, that sounds big. And, um, and inside, until now, archaeologists have known that these sequences of lines and dots and other marks found on cave walls and portable objects from the license last ice age were storing some kind of information but did not know their specific meaning so you guys we had a session for about an hour last year did we talk about anything related to specific meetings of marks in ice and cave art yeah i think it was all those red dots right it's all the red well the red dots we told the, the black dots we do all kinds of stuff we talked about the timing of the the elk the the deer the deer the, the lunar cycles, right? The lunar cycle. The whole shebang. We talked about that. And um, that's what, so we talked about, so is it possible? Is this, could this be true? Now, this is important. We're going to have, a, so Darren is going to be the, the the test of truth. We have to have a scale, right? I have to have a scale. One to 10. One is give the guy a break. Okay. Got that, Darren? One. Five is just an ass sometimes. And 10 is irredeemable. So one to ten, give the guy a break. Five, just a, just just an ass sometimes or irredeemable. Okay. So is it possible that these guys discovered, based on your experience a year ago on this program, 
is it your program? Is it possible that these guys could have um, found the specific meaning of Ice Age art that nobody knew before? No. Uh, yes. So on a scale of one to ten, Darren, is it possible that, that they actually talk about the same stuff we talked about? Okay. So the answer. So is it give the guy a break, just an ass sometimes, or the guy is irredeemable? Nine. You give me nine. Like, that's fair. Yeah. I, I say six or seven, seven, maybe seven, eight. Yeah, but six, that's right. Because you don't know yet. Because we don't have a trend, right? We don't know what the guy's saying, right? We I'm, don't. I assume. I just assume everything related to the gate, gender, sexuality, and uh, assholes. <laughs> Okay, got it. Okay. So we can, can you guys pop into, one of you guys pop into your YouTube? Can you pop into your YouTube? I will do that. Pop into your YouTube. So we're going to test if anybody could have known about this. If anybody could have known about this prior to January of this year, when these guys released their, their, their major paper that they think they're going to get Nobel Prizes for. And didn't okay, you, and YouTube, but isn't it based on your earlier work too, though? Oh, we're going to go there. We got places uh, to go. Yeah. We're traveling today. We're traveling in time. So when YouTube type in lunar timekeeping as two separate lunar and then timekeeping as one word. Lunar. Or maybe I should, uh, maybe I should do this while I'm doing this. Because we're doing we're doing a background check. Could these guys lunar know, timekeeping? Okay. Timekeeping one word, yeah. One word. Could so these guys have found earlier evidence of this. Oh my God, what do you see? Well, you see an arc <laughs> you see a presentation <laughs> I gave seven months ago, and you can see the Gray America, 1.1 thousand views 10 months ago. So it doesn't take a rocket, does it take a rocket science to figure out what this guy has been doing? You can go down, you find more of my stuff. And um, so we're gonna do another, we're gonna do another search, okay? We're going to type another one. We're going to type in lunar paleolithic because maybe the guys, they didn't know timekeeping, right? But they should know paleolithic because it's upper paleolithic. Oh. Keyboard. So type in lunar paleolithic. Okay, mine. Lunar paleolithic. Okay. Slow down a little bit. And there you go. Lunar time at Ice Age Art, Bernie Tail before Orion.com. So how tough was it for? How tough was it to find that? Not very hard. Not very hard at all. You kind of wonder, right? So you type in another one. Type in uh, Bernie Taylor, Ifa Maui, I-F-A-M-A-U-I. I-M-F-A. I-F-A. I-F-A, okay. Okay. M-A-U-I. Yeah, that's okay. That should work. Okay. So the... The third, so actually, these are three presentations I gave at IFA Maui. Um, IFA is the University, of, University of Hawaii. These are the guys that track killer asteroids, comets, and meteorites. Serious stuff. And I had, the, I was, I gave presentations three times. One was virtual. And I had the, the fortune of actually sitting, being in the war room to track these, these killer objects and um, seeing how the whole thing works. So if you look at that one, that was three, the, the one for Are We Alone in the Cosmos, Biological Time and the Drake Equation, which is my stuff, um, 5.8 thousand views three years ago. That is the almost the exact same presentation that I gave you guys. Sorry that you didn't have an original work, but you had the same work that people attract killer meteorites um, 
we're, we're studying. So go back to, to our three years. It's out there. It's been there. So here's another one. Type, jump into academia.edu. Academia. This academia.edu. This is where academics look for, they post their papers kind of thing. So that's uh, academia, I think. Academia.edu. Okay. Okay. Type in lunar timekeeping. Do I have to sign up? No, you don't have to sign up. Where do I type it in then? No, actually, don't you do? Just Google, actually, Google academia.edu lunar timekeeping. Yeah, yeah, actually, you don't want to do that. You might have to sign up and you guys. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what you, if you type in lunar timekeeping at the top of that, you will find the same paper that I gave, that I sent you guys originally in Prehistoria. There you go. For the purpose of, um, for the purpose of kind of getting you guys interested in the topic. Okay. So there you are. Now you're in Academia U. You can see the paper. Was it the first one at the type of the list when you typed in lunar timekeeping? Yes, it was the very top. Yep. Top. So, and that was many moons ago. So if actually, if you go down there, you actually find other ones. You'll find biological time in the Drake equation that I did at Ifa Maui. And that dates back to 2019 on Academia U. So I, I printed off, put it off of the PDF and I dropped it into the... Um, into academia to you. So there we go. So you can find this stuff pretty easily. Let's type in another one, um, lunar paleolithic, just like we did on, just like we did on um, YouTube, lunar paleolithic. So you didn't have, so my point is you don't have to know the exact timekeeping to actually figure that out. And um, so lunar paleolithic is going to be your search in academia.edu. And this is free for everybody out there in podcast land. You can you can look at the papers and that's the same one I was just on, isn't it? And there you go. So using different times, lunar paleolithic, which would be the most obvious keywords, correct? For this, right? I mean, it's time and yeah, place. And there it is. And again. there you go. Oh, top of the list. Lo and behold. So <laughs> someone so if somebody tells you. That they couldn't find this. They couldn't find this. Would you would you give them a one, give the guy a break, five, just an ass sometimes, or ten, irredeemable? Eight. Seven, eight. Seven, eight. That's fair. Okay, that's fair. We got to give the guy some credit. So now what we're gonna do is we're gonna do, we're gonna do this one. You guys don't have to Google it, but if Wiki, there's you know there's Wikipedia guys happy about sometimes, not so happy other times, right? Okay, we're good. But there's also Wikimedia Commons is where the images come for Wikipedia. Yeah. So you guys can drop your artwork into w Wikimedia Commons and other people will access to put it on Wikipedia. It's a backdoor into Wikipedia without having an article. Okay, so Wikimedia Commons, I printed it off, has an image or two images together that actually showed in the presentation with you guys. So I, 2014, after a presentation, I uploaded Wikimedia Commons. Okay. So we can date the stuff online, Wikimedia Commons. A Wikipedia page called Prehistoric Religions, Prehistoric Religions, picked it up. And the same image, and they put it, and they put it on their, their uh, prehistoric religion page. Okay. So there it is. So 
we can actually find the same the same work, the same work I showed you guys, and the same work that's published in that prehistoric paper, going back to 2014 on Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Okay, so if someone tells someone tells you, you know, give the guy a break, one just an ass sometimes or irredeemable. Where are we? Someone says they they, they never saw it. We're up to a nine. Darren's at a nine. Where are you, Graham? Well, yeah, I mean, eight, eight, nine, I guess. <laughs> so we're moving. I up. mean, I'm glad you're not showing that it's just like he didn't search YouTube or something like that. Like this is all <laughs> over, it's all over the place. So it's, 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 it's getting, you know, my yeah, my tolerance level is kind of getting up there. It's or, he sorry, had on, he had it on Wikipedia as well. Got it. So. So I call these guys out. On the, the night that I saw that uh, the pr the press release quickly and the news article from the UK that an archaeologist sent to me. By the way, the archae that archaeologist who sent it to me said I should sue them for defamation of character, intellectual property rights. And wow. Oh, wow. yeah. He was like, he says, don't let this go. Don't let this go. And um, but I've decided not to sue them. And so he said this is what. So we're going back and forth. And there's an email conversation with an editor of the journal, a um, bunch of these people in the room who, who are named on this paper and the response back from paul petit remember paul p-e-t-t-i-t-t -T -T, archaeologist dorm university okay so having worked through taylor's 21 21 paper i now realize i should have saved myself the effort okay the, uh, okay so what he's saying actually darren so i i now realize that i've saved myself the effort in basically writing his paper i'm not gonna put words into his mouth so is he saying that if he if he's saying he could have saved himself the effort by reading my paper. Does that mean that we wrote the same thing? Yes. Oh, I would take it. Yeah. Darn right, you would. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But and then he says he'll he'll sign off. I'm signing off, and I'll bang my head repeatedly against the wall in a darkened room. Okay. So based on that one, guys, do we give the guy a break? Do we five just an ass sometimes, or is he redeemable? I'll bring him down to a five. You bring him down to a five, exactly. And that, you know that's fair based based on he what he wrote at in that moment. By the way, I think he was drunk, but just you know that's just my what I was thinking. So so we we go through we 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 travel along this path and we're going back and forth. I'm saying, guys, that's BS. And um, and then we go to that. He says. Um, I've I've no reason to quote your publication in another email. We're going back and forth. So I'm saying bullshit, and uh, that you you could have seen it because it's in all these places, and including we're Facebook friends, and I posted this stuff all over Facebook. So if we're Facebook friends, and many many thousands of people had seen this on Facebook, um, this subject, do we give him give the guy a break? Is he just an ass sometimes, or he's irredeemable? Because we're Facebook friends. Yeah, so it goes back up. I mean, seven. Seven. Okay. <laughs> Graham, question. Well, it goes back up to, to seven. It goes up again. Because, yeah. So because so you know it's it's a pretty and, and the reason why this is so important is because it's a pretty it's a pretty important article, right? I mean, this is coming from you know archaeology news and it's talking about you know this evidence of early ice age writing and what it meant, right? It's sophisticated information sharing, visual paleopsychology. I mean, and they're just yeah. not crediting it, right? They're not credited, exactly. And so in another email, okay, actually going back to the thing, he says, I have no reason to quote your publication in the future. 
So he knew about my previous work. And he says in this, I have no reason to, this, and I can underline it. Okay, I'm underlining. Okay. I have no reason to quote your publication in the future. So based on that, do we give the guy a break? Just, just an ass sometimes, or is irredeemable? Back up to a nine. Back up to a nine. Because what, so there's, a, there's, a, there's something called academic or scientific integrity. And we both know it doesn't always work that way, okay? And it certainly doesn't work in this way. He's obligated to show the source information. He's He has no right to go to the world and say, we've discovered this great, this great whatever, um, while not quote, not citing information that he should have seen. And actually, he did see. Yeah, that's the key. So that's the key. Could he have seen it? Could he have seen the thing? And uh, by the way, here's a this is this is off of his paper. Two, he's got they say they, they saw thousands, they looked at thousands of images, but they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in this paper here, and two of them were presented to you in the in the program last year. Okay. So if he's got thousands of images, how come he comes up with, with, with the ones that overlap? Yeah, kinds of question question mark that one, right? Okay. And what they say is their their hypothesis. They hypothesize that sequential sequences, the marks, are conveying information about their associated animal taxa in units of months. In other words, they present ethnological information as the seasonal calendar. So is that their hypothesis? Darren? No. No, it's not. Graham? Yes. It's their hypothesis. Well, they're saying it's their hypothesis, but is it really their hypothesis? No. Of, of course it's not. Of course it's not. Okay. So they also have this other one in here. They say that many of its, its, uh, many of its animals are associated with signs, for example, among its rows of swimming red deer, um, usually interpreted as an autumn migration scene. And one stag is marked with seven dots. We actually talked about that one for about five minutes, and we talked about it in relation to Darren's um, Rocky Mountain elk hunting. And when the animals will be there for the run. So we actually talked about that concept. So, um, and that's also, uh, that comes, that wording comes almost identically off of Wikipedia and Wikimedia. It's almost identical. Maybe one or two words off. Okay. So, so I call these guys out and I say, bullshit. You know, that's not too strong for your program, right? Okay. Call it out there. And I said, um, I said that. What this archaeologist did was these guys can speak. These guys can BS in the bar room all that wrong about what they discovered. And, you know, they can say they invented, reinvented everything that Einstein discovered. But the point that they went to become a publication, they went to the publication of the journal, they signed a release. And that release said that everything is hunky dory. Everything, all the all the I's and all the I's are dotted and the T's are checked. And this is our original work. We've checked everything. That's what that says. And so at that point, that becomes a legal contractual document. That they, and then they put the burden onto the journal. Now, the um, I point out these guys didn't make any discoveries. Okay. And um, I point out that the they, they should have called out to the journal. Actually, they should have basically included my work. So then we go to the question of, do we have any, do we have any um, other evidence? That these guys could have known about this. It's sort of like in the Donald Trump thing, with his current, any basically any of his cases. Is there anybody from the outside has in that time and place said to him, "You're doing a legal thing"? That's the question. Did they know about this? And so there is a an email came to me uh, a few days after their discovery, 
hypothesis was um, announced. And we can't say the name. We've agreed not to say the name of the, the organization or the name of the person. But we, but Graham, you validate that this is like a real, this is a major media organization. And this is the person that is of responsibility, correct? Yep. Okay. It's the real deal. This, this guy's the big, this is a big deal. So he's contacted me because I'm a fan of biological time since 2004. And um, he says, he, he goes on, he goes on. Um, so before that, you do um, that, let's just say biological time was your book in 2004, right? Oh yeah. So actually we st- that's good. Good point. We step back. Okay. 2004, I published biological time. The year after that, Wiley, an academic publisher picked it up and they, re- they reprinted it. Um, and it was actually an imprint of Wiley in, in the far East, which was cool for me. And there's maybe five or six word changes in the whole thing be- between that. 2006 and 2007, I had two papers published in um, an, archa- an astronomy journal called the Griffith Observer. The Griffith Observer is out of Los Angeles, and they um, remember, the, remember the, the James Dean scene when he's like he's up in an observatory, he's running away or fighting with somebody. That's the Griffith Observatory, major major astronomical presence. Um, and so we can go we can go 2004, all the time reprinted 2005 papers published in the peer-reviewed literature, um, 2006, 2007, and before or before Ryan published in 2017. And then since then, it's, it's been in 2011, 2021 with the Prehistoria European Archaeology Journal. Okay. So this guy had, he had, he has two copies of Biologic Time and he read them. And um, he, he said um, that Paul Petit's team he, he met with them or he contacted them somehow zoom and um, the team was wants to do a documentary for his organization and he told the team about my work bernie's work your work and was very surprised that they hadn't heard of it okay and i think their current paper would have been stronger if they had gone into more detail about ethnographically attested lunar counting Okay, so this pay, he sent me uh, January 10th. So we're saying January the previous year, these guys knew 100% about my book, Biological Time, or before Ryan, one of the two, it doesn't matter either way. And so either way, we have, we have an independent f- third source that we can't disclose, and because uh, he's not part of the story, and individually. And he to- what most important he told them is that you need to put ethnographic information in this. Which is basically what my whole thing was about. You know, we, you know, we brought in the Native Amer- Indigenous people from North America and Siberia, and I said that I didn't discover anything. So I'm not saying I discovered anything. I'm saying that this has cur- this has recent ethnographic um, recorded and current use among Native Americans. So if you've gone you're going from 17,000 years ago to Native Americans came over 15, 20,000 years ago, however you look at it, it's the same information that they're currently using. You can't discover it. You absolutely can't discover that. Okay, and I sent Darren the Ojibwe calendar, um, and so that's it's the same information. And so then we go to we go to uh, we got that we got that one. So that's the so the story so the storyline that goes on from here is that I call out the, the journal did their investigation, and their issue was that if they had sided with me, they're immediately fined by the the magistrate fifty thousand pounds for um, violent intellectual property rights. Um, and I, I get it. They're not at fault. I have no no qualms with the journal, okay? Because they they were misled. So I, pu- I pushed it back to the university and all the way up to the chancellor's office. Actually, the chancellor's office, without the chancellor, who was uh, Fiona Hill, remember from um, Ukraine Trump days, Fiona Hill? 
So she never saw it, but her all her officers. And they, they basically said, we saw, they say, they basically, we side with the journal. But my question with my, what I posed to the university was not the intellectual profit light, but I posed that he should fess up that he stole it from indigenous peoples and he didn't credit it. And he knew about it because he, he knew about my work and he knew about it because this other media organization told him that was the case. And uh, so, so where do we stand on this? Um, where do we stand on this archaeologist at the moment? So final answer, okay? We're going to move on to other stuff. Give the guy a break at one, just an asshole sometimes, or 10 irredeemable. I'm still at like eight, nine. You're at because, eight, nine, Darren? Yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'm I'm also still at, I would say I'm at my uh, original nine. Like, wouldn't this, my problem with it is, wouldn't you just like, if you did that and the guy, you know, even if he knew he was like, okay, he's going to leave this, these references out for your work, you know, the indigenous, all this other stuff. If you, if you get confronted, wouldn't you just say, okay, sorry, it was a mistake. Like I'll, I'll can't I like apologize and give references to it? Like, why is that so hard? Yes. That's the problem because she's arrogant. Or is it's that, arrogant. does that mean that they have to get fined because they did it wrong? Like, is that acknowledging something that they can't acknowledge to the journal or so if they, so what they, they, so they could have in the following issue of the journal, they could have put an acknowledgement right. and an apology yeah, and they yeah. would, everybody went free and clear. But so yeah. yes. So their position, this is their position is that they did not have to cite my books. He, he said, he, he first said, well, if I had read, read your paper, blank, 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 um, I wouldn't have wrote mine, but he says, I didn't have to write the, your books because they're popular works. That's <laughs> I know. So, so, so they weren't in the archaeological uh, journal sphere. Therefore, he doesn't have to cite them. Well, that's complete bogus because that's that's intellectual arrogance. And uh, so, he, so it, that's total bullshit. So, here's what happens after this. So, um, I, I saw in a few places online. I saw that you know this this great discovery, blank blank blank, and I put it out there in my paper. Well, within a week, within a week, maybe two weeks, over a thousand academics had gone to my academic edu page and read that paper that's like a thousand people reading a paper in a, in a week or two on academia is like you guys getting a hundred thousand views on your youtube channel for one one episode it's like a lot right okay it's like a huge amount maybe even five hundred thousand okay it's a huge amount so what they did was they retweeted it on, on facebook and retweeted it they put it out there that that archaeologist should have cited my work and these are major players in the field, major players, you know, tens of thousands of YouTube followers types. So it, it turned out it was uh, British and um, French anthropologists and archaeologists that called these guys out. But even the best part of it was that this all the evidence that I gave in terms of the cave art was at the Lascaux cave in France. And the French are pretty guarded about their stuff. It's just who they are. And, you know, it's just what it is. Right. Well, a French anthropologist, major anthropologist, said that Bernie was right. They should have cited him. And you guys were wrong. You guys were not only wrong for not citing his work, but by not incorporating his work because you screwed up on all this other stuff. And so it, it flipped, the, turned the tides on French arche anthropology archaeology saying, the guy's right. Let's go with this. And it turned all it turned a bunch of other people in this, in this field to say, um, to get behind Bernie and get against Paul Petit, P-E-T-T-I-T-T, -T -T -T, um, Durham University Department of Archaeology. 
So they they call this guy's they called him out on this. They called him out publicly. And so does the system work? Yes and no. The journal never did never made an apology or made a whatever, you know, a, a clarification. And these guys, they're going to continue writing more papers. And they, it's like he says, it doesn't matter where it is. He's not going to cite my stuff. It's his own words, his words, which is complete bogus, because that's that's a loss of in- academic integrity. So if people have the, if people say that this is science, this is the, the latest and greatest that we've been working on for, for generations, then and if you decide that you're going to not put in relevant, relevant information that actually your own work came from, um, then you are deceiving the your, your university, the, the academic the, academia receiving the public especially they want to run the, the problem with this whole thing is not that they just wrote a journal article but the durham university pr machine sent this thing around the world as a great discovery and it was shown up at many hundreds of media outlets as they made this major discovery and that's not what happened and so they they, they cheated me out of it but most importantly my paper out of it, my previous books what they really did is they cheated indigenous people out of their heritage People that had this forever, and we have we have it cited ethnographical er, uh, evidence in the papers. We have it in current indigenous practice, and that's why I never say that I've made discoveries on this because I didn't. Because I was working on this, I was working the biology side of this as we talked in the YouTube presentation, but and I connected with Native Americans who said, you know, kind of told me their story and their narrative. I put the put them together, and it was the the consilience of two honest people or two honest groups of people that made this possible back in 2004 and not in 2023. Okay. So here's your last, here's your last test before your last. uh, And you also also open to give comments. So one, give the guy a break. That's Paul Petit, the archeologist, Dorm university or five, just an ass sometimes or 10 irredeemable last, last number for you guys. Darren? Is he French? <laughs> yes, that does nothing to do with it, though. Ten. <laughs> no, nothing to do with it. The French came on my side. Come on. You know, Viva la France, right? I say eight, eight, nine still, yeah. yeah. Still eight, nine, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, this is a great example of how the system doesn't work. You know, how there is no, Ten, there's no. Man. He flat there's... out is just saying, fuck you. That's what he did, yeah. I mean. How'd you go down from nine? I didn't go down. I, I said eight, oh. nine, like eight, nine, you know. I think I, I, see, I think I was, tw- is it, I think I might've found them. And, and the only reason why it is because of social media now that it even got any kind of, you know, any kind of virality there and that you were able to post this thing and get, you know, a thousand or a couple thousand scientists to look at it. So that, I mean, that doesn't mean the system's working. That's just the go around, you know, that's, that's the, is it not this Paul Petit? It's yep, P E T T I T T. No, 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 P E T T I T T. Okay. P E T T I T T. P E T T. So yeah, that's a good story though. I mean, it's a great. That's a great example. I mean, imagine how much this is happening in other scientific areas, right? This is just a small example. I I've got friends, friends out there. The reason that the reason that I was able to push back on this publicly is that one. I did good research going back to 2004. Um, and secondly, is that I've been going to all these academic conferences. I presume where people have been seeing it. You know, it's legit. And that people said, this guy's good. This guy's got it right. And um, that's the guy. You got him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just disappointing that people can't just like just give people credit. I just I just don't get it. You know why? I guess their ass is out there. Yeah, irredeemable. Yeah. Irredeemable. That means like it can never be saved. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys, you guys like think this. Guy that's why I'm giving because that's why I'm giving him one off the irredeemable thing because he can be saved. They can all be yeah. saved. Maybe he just had, you know, he has an experience one night out and looking at the stars and, you know, he hears the voice of God and he's redeemed, you know, in a full moon. Maybe, you know, I'll give him a (laughs) (laughs) 9.9. That's fair. And, you know, people out there in podcast land, if you see, you know, I don't say archaeologists or asses or all anthropologists, whatever the story is, I go after the one. I go after the one with the evidence. That's important. And, and now everybody has now everybody has the evidence and ever anybody ever says on a podcast or whatever that if archaeologists always just tell the truth, they follow the leads. Well, actually, they did follow the leads. Right. We, that's 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 one of the things people complain about. Archaeologists don't follow the leads. They follow the leads. They just credit it for themselves. And uh, and all the usual places, Wikipedia, you know, YouTube, academia, all these places. And uh, so that's a, it's a so I'm not anti anybody. Right. Um, I'm paradigm shifter is where we're going to go next but the the point of the matter is that we um go after the evidence and um you know that's the that's my way of seeing that's my worldview i love it thanks bernie that was a good little rundown appreciate it yeah yeah and every every time it comes up in the present someone brings up some something along these lines tell the story because yeah. you guys were part of the story a year ago yeah. when I had you on your, you had me in yeah. program. Okay, yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna shift shift gears now. We're gonna go to a little. We are going to change the world. Jesus, that's like the third Dang. person I've heard say that in the last two days. It's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna shift the paradigm. So what I'm gonna do now is I'm going to pull up my PowerPoint and. And we can, and you guys can just somehow flip it to a screen share, right? Oh, there we go. We're rocking. Okay, um, sorry. Um, Talk to me, guys. What do you see? We see, see a, a coyote under Mount yeah. Hood. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a coyote. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I appreciate you guys' in depth knowledge of the region. So this is this is an important image. This is a Native American story from the Columbia River Basin out by Oregon, where I live. And what you see is a coyote. You see four four swallows, and you see spring chinook salmon. And behind uh, the the coyote, you see a woman, as in rock in the mountain. She's you know, she's and behind that, you see Mount Hood in the background. Um, there's a the, uh, Native Americans in this region had a had a myth or a sacred narrative, and that sacred narrative, Mount Hood which is volcanic, battled or had an argument with another mountain, which is Mount Adams, which is also volcanic, over another over a woman, which is also a mountain, which is Mount St. Helens. And then they, they throw rocks back and forth, of course, to the volcano. They fill up the Columbia River, and Coyote comes to save a day by knocking out the rocks, creating saliva falls, and it tells the story of, the, um, of how the salmon or when the salmon should come up, which is four days after the the, the, the swallows arrive. And it goes back to that what we talked about in the presentation a year ago, and they were talking about the paper, is that Native Americans had this, this way of seeing the world or their cosmic view where the, the animals, the animals were like people and the and and the mountains were sentient spiritual beings. Does that all make sense to you guys? Yep. Okay. So let's skip that one. 
So now we're going to go deep into a cave, a cave you guys have been before, but we're going to look at it from a different perspective. What's it called again? Monte El Castillo in Catabria, Spain. And the mountain is, is, is looks like a pyramid. It's limestone, just like the pyramids of Giza, right? Okay. Um, north of Spain. And on, on in that cave, there's a panel called the Gower of Dis, 30, dated to 34,000 years ago. This, this is the, the artwork on the cave is 34,000 years ago. 10 meters across. So that's huge, right? That's really big. And um, it's probably about seven meters high. Okay. And on that on that cave, in, um, in, in that panel, there's a teacher and apprentice. And the teacher speaks into the ear of the apprentice. Really cool image. I remember seeing this like in 2014, 15. I was like, oh my God, I know it all now. I've got all the answers to everything, but I did not. Because right after that, I realized, oh my God, there is a, a golden eagle, fledging golden eagle, June time period on the shoulder of the teacher. And um, well, I went on for like two years, like, you know, every day I like, event, uh, discovered something and I didn't because every day there was something new and exciting. And the, um, there's also this cosmic man that he holds an egg in his right hand and his left left arm is feathered. And you know that he is a man. Um, he's got a mask and one side of the mask is, is, a, is a beak is beaked and the other side has his eye. And if you turn that you look closely at that mask. You can see the, the beak. You can see the eye. You can see some teeth below, um, kind of chin down there. Like a pretty cool image. Um, really cool. And th they transformed that the teacher, looking in one direction, if you rotate him to your left or turn your head to the, the left, you find that the, the face of the teacher, or head of the teacher, is actually a rotated version of the cosmic man. So they are, in fact, the same character. One the man has transformed into like an avianoid, a birdman. And that same cosmic man, um, um, actually, there's a horse, a speckled mare. And uh, that, cos that, that cosmic man merges with, with the ho horse to become like a centaur. Um, he's not riding the horse. He's taking all the spiritual energy of the horse. There's another character who um, he's got a, he puts on a mask again. And he's got a, 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 um, a, something in, in his, his right hand. If you look at the, the left hand that hangs behind of this masked man, it is in fact the same left hand of the cosmic man who had the feathered the feathered hand. So pretty cool stuff. You guys saw this, this before. We did it like three years ago. We need to talk more often. Um, have a mother Iberian lynx with a with a under her um, ruff is a kitten pushing up. And so it's a distinctly distinctly Iberian animal. And then under under the at the bottom there, there's a crab. And the crab is coming out from under a ledge, it kind of looks like, right? Kind of mean looking thing. Well, that crab below that ledge actually is identical, identical to an opening in the north end of the Rock of Gibraltar. Now, the Rock of Gibraltar, you know, is like, I don't know, it's probably like 400 miles from the El Castillo Cave in the north of Spain. They're on two different ends of Spain. And uh, so it's, it's, almost, it's almost identical. And uh, so one has to wonder if they saw Paradoia in the rock of Gibraltar that then incited them or got them interested and said, this is a crab. And it's at the seashore, you know, you know, straight Gibraltar, pillars of Hercules, all that sort of stuff. So it doesn't look like the same thing. Damn right it does. And um, and actually, you can actually look closer to the um, the claw and you can see it as Paradoia in under the ledge, kind of under the ledge in the rock of Gibraltar, see Paradoia looks like the actual claw. And it's not just the outline of the shape in the rock of Gibraltar. And or could they be carving, film. or could they be carving something in the in the cave that like showing that that's an important part, or they're trying to signify that rock of Gibraltar there? 
Oh yeah, we got oh, we got a few slides to go there. We're 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 just now starting. But absolutely right. They're they're saying there's a, the well yeah we got a we got a few steps to go. Yeah. Uh, good question. You're on it. There's also at the gallery of discs we have this monk seal and uh, kind of lounging monk seal, and we find that in the, on the rock of Gibraltar we have the same outline rough outline of that monk seal in the north end of the rock of Gibraltar. It's not perfect, but remember, this is Paradoia, and that's the Rock of Gibraltar at the north end is a huge rock, right? This is huge. So nobody went up there and carved this stuff away. But it's in reverse. It has the, the seal in reverse of the Rock of Gibraltar. Now, think about this. We're going back 34,000 years, okay? This isn't, you know, time of the ancient Egyptians or the Greeks or anything like that. This is 34,000 years. So, so 34,000 years ago, cave artists in the north of Spain made art on a panel that is representative of Paradoia that they saw at the Rock of Gibraltar, which is just across from um, Morocco or northern northern Africa. We also have the spinning spin bottlenose dolphin on the gallery disc. And uh, we can find that spinning nose dolphin, again, in Paradoia, almost the length of the Rock of Gibraltar. And if everybody out there in podcast land, go to the YouTube. you got to see the images. This is like the, the coolest thing you could ever see. Um, I gave this presentation at a geography conference just a few weeks ago and people like staring and the you know, mouths are open and like, oh my God, because this is this becomes the earliest map in the world. And its position is really important. We're going to get to that point either. But we can see in the, we see the paradoid, we can see the beak, the mouth, the flipper, the, the fluke, which is the, like, called the tail, right? And the dorsal fin. We find them in the high and low points and straight lines as paradoid in the rock of Gibraltar. And this, that image that that's, I just showed to everybody out there in, in YouTube land, um, I, it was drawn from two other images. It's drawn from an actual photograph and it's drawn from a recent photograph and from a map about a hundred years ago that someone illustration. And so we've I've pulled them together to make them um, representative. And there's, a, there's an interesting point. The south side of the rock Gibraltar was a rock that sticks out. It's underwater. Now, 34,000 years ago, that would have been above water because the sea level, uh, the straight level was about nine, uh, 30 uh, meters shallower. And you guys know all about the, you know, the Paleolithic in the water being um, shallower. So it's about 30 meters shallow. So that, that, that piece that comes out there is, um, would have been above water. In fact, all this stuff would have been above water. It, it would have been look like, the, the, like the, the, um, the dolphin was flying. That's what it would look like. We also have this theriantrop, theriantrop character, which is the, the, the previous man who put on the mask, but this is without him with the mask. And you can see him connected to the dolphin. It becomes a merman. We also see this female character, and she becomes the oldest depicted female in the history of the world, as far as we know. And uh, she doesn't look real happy. She looks pregnant. You can see her breasts. Um, it just is what it is. Well, that female character is very closely representative of a of Paradoia across the Strait of Brault in Morocco at a place called um, uh, the, the Jebel Musa. Jebel Musa, and Musa could mean Moses. It could mean a, a, a Muslim prophet. They're not really sure. But the Jebel, Jebel Musa in Paradoia on the other side of the Strait of Gibraltar looks a lot more like a pregnant woman than it does like, you know, a Moses because just Moses could not be fat that way. It's just impossible. And uh, slight, slight differences on the nose and the chin, but there could be some geological changes in 34,000 years. And we can, we can look from the north at Rock Gibraltar directly south, and we can see Jebel Musa in the background. And looking across the Strait of Gibraltar, we're looking at the Pillars of Hercules, which is the Spanish coat of arms, and um, of course, where the mighty Hercules is represented by. 
And then we have this briefing humpback mail we, where we talked about three years ago in the program. And um, we also find this, this character, the, the, the apprentice character is in the, the, the ventral pleats of the whale, that, which are the, the forward area. We know that uh, he couldn't travel in the belly of the whale because that would be impossible. Okay. But we can find that same humpback whale as Paradoia in the Rock of Gibraltar. And remember going back in time, we had that, that outcrop on the south, the southern end of the Rock of Gibraltar, which is the became the, the script descriptive fluke or tail of the whale. And so it was it, that was the definitive characteristic. And we can I, for everybody out there in podcast land, go look at YouTube. Here's, here's an image we're looking at now. And I overlay the the dolphin and the whale over the rock of Gibraltar, and everybody can see how they they match up to the the natural irregularities um, that be, was perceived as pareidolia in the rock of Gibraltar. So this is like the real deal. Okay. Um, and we can look at the ventral pleats. The ventral pleats are like this open area in the um, in the rock of Gibraltar. It's got like a big look like big lungs in some way. It's kind of cool image. Um, and then we, we remember the, the apprentice in the belly of the whale. Well, we can actually see this apprentice character as Paradoia on the rock of Gibraltar. We can see his nose. We can see his, one of his, uh, his eyes. We can see his chin. And it's a round face apprentice. It's in this, and if we look above his forehead. We can see this, 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 this um, separation. So this, this, was one, this, was, this was a source for the, the gallery of this. There's just too many overlapping characters. And then we go with, we can find the cosmic band. Now, remember the cosmic band and the teacher, if you turn your head sideways to the left, the, you know, the, they're the same thing. Well, they saw the same thing in the rock of Gibraltar is they, um, the, the, the shifting is actually two different paradoia characters that, that they saw in the rock. And what's kind of, kind of really cool stuff in this is that the, the, the head of the, so the eagle is on the shoulder of the, the teacher, which becomes the beak of the cosmic man. But and they in the head of this of this paradoia eagle goes all the way up to the top of the rock where there's flora, there's plants, and that becomes like the rough or, or the, the, the or sorry, the crest feathers on top of the the eagle, which is like really cool. And then I show an image. I put all these characters together, and I actually have one more to add to this. I have to put the horse in. I was in a rush to get it for the conference, and um, put all the characters on one map. You can see how they overlap, and it's like so. This becomes a representation of the oldest map in the world because the oldest map in the world is the gallery of disc, which is built on Paradoia of the rock of Gibraltar. And we go to, it's another image I've just pulled up. We go uh, turn the rock, this gallery of disc, I've turned it to the straight up sort of thing. So it's 10 meters straight up and we can see all the characters. We can see the ones to the North. We can see the ones to the South. Um, the woman is the is further South and the, the marine animals are in the middle and the golden eagle and the horse and the Iberian lynx are in the, the say the top section. And so we have, we actually have a, an actual representative map. Yeah. And uh, well, that character um, is in fact, Hercules, the cosmic man becomes Hercules and all, and he's huge and all the animals fall within his form. So they are, he is his animist. Yeah. And uh, we can go to the night sky, and we talked about this one uh, three years ago. Is we can actually track these all these people and these and these animals, so we can see the characters are, are uh, the cosmic man is Hercules, the eagle is uh, Achilla, the horse is Pegasus, uh, the seal is Cetus, and the dolphin and whale are Pisces, going in two different directions. So when he goes, he's traveling south. He sees he's following Pisces. When he comes back north again, he follows the whale, which is they're both. Um, the same constellation in two different directions. And um, 
So that's like really cool. So now we, we have an origin to Greek constellations that go way, way back in time before anybody could possibly imagine. And Hercules, the character, is also represented in other places in Morocco. And people like in, in our part of the world generally don't know that. This is the cave of Hercules where Hercules rested before he traveled down to the Garden of Hesperides. And it's um it's on the, the, the Atlantic coast of Morocco. And Moroccans all know this stuff, by the way. I and mean, this is like, this is... This is the thing. And uh, and then we can go back to we see our teacher and apprentice who's telling the story and um, show again the, the overlapping of all these characters or the, the animal and human characters on the, the rock of Gibraltar. By the way, if you guys, when I update this image with the horse and you guys want to put a, I'll send her a poster, you can put it in your background. And um, and then I show off my, I give my my background, my, my links before Ryan.com, all that sort of stuff. And these guys can tell you where to go. So let's talk. What? So what? you guys have seen something that, um, well, Graham saw it a few days ago. But Jimmy Feelings, talk to me. Well, I feel like it's important uh, in regards to Atlantis because the pillars are, are you know, prevalent in all kinds of myths and uh uh, and, you know, like Pla Plato's Atlantis. I mean, that's where they say that, you know, that's where R what Randall actually thinks that close to that place, just through the middle of mid, mid Atlantic there is, is where Atlantis was. So are you guys, are you guys open for me to show you a slide that I've never showed on any other podcast? Oh yeah. That speaks to your question. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. You can't tell anybody about it, right? Okay. Actually, I gave this like, I gave this at a um, at a um, prehistory conference two years ago, and I had it translated into French, Spanish, Darija, which is the Arabic language of Morocco, as well as Tifinal. Okay, uh, sorry about that. I gotta, I gotta do it. Okay, so I'm gonna put the video, and I'm gonna pull it because we are all English speakers here. It's on my webpage. It is called. Uh, it's get the English version. It's a uh, sacred mountains in the upper pillar, and I gave it at the USIPP, which is the. It's like the big deal in prehistory archaeology, and they they had no freaking idea. I I did this. So talk to me, guys. What do you see? Did you hear that weird anomaly too, Graham? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay, so can you see my my? We can't see your screen just yet. Okay, so I need to do something. Uh, so I need to go. I need to go back to Scratch Square uh, Share Screen, and oh shoot, 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 shoot! So I need to get out of. Do you want me to remove the one that's there? It says when I when I hover over, it says remove. So, so pull up the one that you see Himalayas, right? You see a picture of the Himalayas. Can you see that? Mount Everest, Himalayas. Uh, not a, not on. A, yeah, there it is. Okay, got it. So now I'm going to zip through this presentation. And since we were just talking about the gallery of discs, let's go back to the gallery of discs. And on the gallery of discs, we saw the we saw this map going north or south. But what we didn't talk about was the animals on the top of the panel because. This is actually two different, actually, 
more than one image. On the top of the panel, we can see a lion, we can see bears, we can see Barbary ape, and we see elephant. And um, those, those animals are all paradoia in a place called Jebotobokau. Does anybody want to take a guess what Jebotobokau is, was named to ancient Greeks? Jebotobokau? What? I don't know. Atlas. This is Mount Atlas. This is known, and Herodotus has called had, had called this out years ago. And if you remember in the story of uh, the myth of of, um, of Hercules, Hercules goes to goes to Mount Atlas, and he um, steal steal the the apples. But before Perseus, I'm sorry, before Her Hercules gets there, Perseus is there, and Perseus brings the head of Medusa, and he petrifies the uh, the Titan Atlas in the mountain. Okay. So th this concept of petrification or paradoia in the mountain was was described by the ancient Greeks. Okay, so if we so as a concept, well, there's a concept, right? Um, the they saw the paradoia in these different places, certainly Rock of Gibraltar. They saw it in Jebel Tobacco, which then became Mount Atlas in ancient times, and they they um, this became those this became like their cosmos because everything was below in the caves. On the terrestrial plane is both the animals and the paradoia and the rocks, and in the night sky as the constellations. And these are all these are all constellations. Of course, the lion is Leo, bears Ursa Major, the barber ape is Gemini, so the two eyes are Castor and Pogs, and the elephant is actually Taurus. So they saw Taurus as a an elephant. Remember the story. So what went in Plato in, in uh, Plato's Atlantis? What was the what was the animal that was there? Guys, you know this. I don't know this. Darren, elephant. You know? It was elephant. They saw el oh, there elephants on say, the island. I was going to say a minotaur. Oh, uh, there were elephants in the house. So, and, and, you know, not the Edward Casey version, but the, in, the, in the Plato's version, that there were elephants on this island that fell into the sea. Okay. So, what we're going to do now is so we can, we can see this image, right? We got this image in our heads. And um, what I need to do is I need to, I'm going to put the Gary of Discs if I can. Okay. Oh, here we go. We're going to dream big on this one, right? Okay. So we got the gallery of discs, and I need to open up. I need to go to you guys. There we go. Okay. Now we're sitting pretty. So if you guys can kind of see to, to the viewers far right, you can see the teacher with the beak. Oops. Let me mix that one up. So the viewers far right, you can see the teacher. With the beaked animal on his head, right? Beak burdens bird, and he speaks to the apprentice. And you can see the, you can see the, you see the dolphin here, and upside down is the, the here's the here's the pregnant woman's breast, and here's her head, right? Okay. So all this stuff here down was on the um, rock of Gibraltar. Everything from here up is Jebel Tobacco. So they've laid one one image over the other, and this is probably the dividing line right down here in the center. Okay, so if we have described this as the north of the Strait of Gibraltar, or in the Iberian Peninsula, and um, we have described this as Morocco, okay, and we describe these marine animals here as a Strait as the Strait of Gibraltar, because the, you know ultimately the, the the whale and the dolphin aren't living in the Rock of Gibraltar; they're actually in the water, right? Okay. Then what the heck is all this stuff here? Well, that's what we just saw in that image. We can see the head of the lion. We can see the Barbary ape's head here. We can see the bears here. And uh, we can see the, 
once you see the elephant, it's so cool, right? It's, a, it's the ear of the elephant, the forehead, the eye, the trunk comes out like this. Okay. So if, if you were in ancient times and you had seen the, the, the scour disc, you would have said, well, of course, well, I know that's the rock bolt. I know there's all these animals here. And I know that whales, the whales and the dolphins swim between, between the pillows of Hercules. And um, therefore, there is some major landmass that is here that is um, it's not there anymore. Does that sound about right? Yep. Okay. Well, that major landmass is actually Jebel Tobokal, that is, is Mount Atlas. Okay. So what happened is that the so the Plato story is he, he's he's sort of right that it's across from the pillars of Hercules, but he's sort he's actually sort of wrong because it's not an island off the, the pillars of Hercules. Rather, it is Jebel Tobokal, now Mount Atlas. In Morocco, by the way, Jebel Tobacco is the highest mountain in Morocco. We're taking a trip there in the fall of next year to climb the next highest mountain next to it so that we can see the, this face, the face of Jebel Tobacco with all these paradoia characters or as Perse, you know, Perseus petrified in the rock. Nice. Yeah. So we're um, so the, so the concept is that we, we, the pillars of Hercules with, in fact, Hercules. Goes back to 34,000 years ago. Jebel Tobacal, Mount Atlas, um, was recognized 34,000 years ago as well. And that people misinterpreted this image as a island across the pillars of Hercules that is no longer there. But in fact, it is it is Jebel Tobacal. Now, Herodotus, so people, there were people before Plato that talked about this. One of those Herodotus, and he talks about in the histories that the people... Um, and that area called themselves the Atlantis. Sounds like Atlantis, right? I'm not so I'm not saying there wasn't Atlantis. What I'm saying is that there were people there, indigenous people that had nothing to do with the island that disappeared, that called that lived around in and around Mount Atlas. Um, and they revered the mountain as a god. Before Herodotus, there was the Phoenician Sanchonatho who wrote that a Phoenician had traveled um, from wherever to Jebotobacal, or then Mount Atlas, and um, to, to find to find or discover astronomy, right? It's like the Paul Petit thing, right? It's got to discover anything. Um, well, the, the, the Phoenician didn't discover anything either because this goes back to 34,000 years ago because we can see the astronomy there. And that, that Phoenician then became, he lived on the mountain for the rest of his days, and th they called him Orion. Orion in Greek means man in the mountain. Okay. So when people say that, there's, there's a narrative out there that, you know, pre-Egypt, pre, pre there was a civilization that people were highly intelligent, that people understood the stars. And you're darn right they could because they were these people who made the gallery of discs and that they put it on the walls of the caves. And if I had, you know, I look at this, this, these imagery, not just this one, but the others. But, and I have another one, another from another cave that has the same storyline. I look, this is amazing. It's absolutely freaking phenomenal. But we, and even if you, even if they did find the paradoid animals and they moved into the cave and they, all this sort of stuff they built from there, but it's astonishing, absolutely astonishing. But here's the, now here's the point. Were these people so advanced because they had astronomy, because they could map and that their map was in the paradoid of the land as well as the animals and then the night, you know, the night sky? No, they weren't because Native Americans have these same traditions. And you, you guys know this, you guys know, um, Remember the movie with Close Encounters of the, of the, of the Third Kind or Fourth Kind? 
I don't think I've seen that. Oh, I seen the third fourth kind, kind of one was in Alaska. Okay, yeah, fourth right? kind like a porn movie or something. Yeah, we'd want to go there. Okay, but anyway, the, um, so they they had these all the characters, the main characters have this dream. The dream brings them being drawn to Devil's Tower in uh, the Black Hills, and um, I can't remember which state. I think it's Wyoming, but they're drawn to the the Black Hills, and they're and they meet. Of course, they meet the they they go up to the ultimately go to the top of. The Devil's Tower to meet the aliens, uh, and then they're transported. Well, Devil's Tower was was revered among the Lakota Sioux still today as called Bear's Lodge, and Bear's Lodge was is a cylinder is a kind of a cylinder shape, or, um, looks like um, you know, cylinder shape, and they 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 considered that to be the constellation Gemini, which is similar cylinder shape. And what they would do is through the springtime, they would travel around the, the Black Hills and each of the mount, each of the mountains or geological formations was a different constellation. And when they got to Bear's Lodge, Devil's Tower, Constellation Gemini, they would then have their Sundance ceremony, which was their communicating with the great beyond. It was their it was their connection to the great mystery, the great almighty, as we would say today. Um, so we this is. The genius of these cavers artists was also apparent in the genius of the Lakota school and Sioux and other Native Americans who had the same tradition. They had the same tradition because they go because the, the Garib this is thirty four thousand years ago, and people had migrated over those many thousands of years, came across the lived in Berengia, came across and landed some twenty thousand years in, in uh, what we call North America. The tradition is from a much earlier time. The tradition wasn't 11, 10, 11, 12,000 years ago, all that sort of stuff. This goes back so this goes back so far in time that this was the knowledge. This was the knowledge. And when Christianity, the Romans, Christianity, and all the other conquerors came through, and this wasn't their stick. Um, they took the constellations. The Greeks have the same constellations that we just discussed. They took the constellations, but they ditched the symbology and they made it their own, put into their own minds that they projected as their own heroes and their own mountains and so forth. So they, they, there was threads that they lost. And the thread that they lost, one, was that Jebotobacal is Atlantis, okay? But it's not Atlantis because it's Jebotobacal. And that there was no, that there was no island off the pillars of Hercules it was just two images on top of each other, which in itself is actually brilliant if you know how it works. And so in a nutshell, we have um, discussed the story of Plato's spectacular program. Okay, you guys got questions? So I blew through that. Up, oh, Dan's muted. That's that's crazy. I mean, one I can see the elephant. I can see. I I never really looked at it before as being three dimensional like that. Yeah. Didn't I send you one? I sent you the poster, right? Yeah, I have it still down in the basement. Yeah, but I've never looked at it as as being three D like that. Yeah, there are multiple images. We got to pull it up and put it in the sh in the studio. And every time someone says Atlantis, you guys point over there and you say. That's the mountain. That's Jebotobacal, Mount Atlas. That's the the north to south mouth on the Strait of Gibraltar, actually, uh, which is the um, Gar the Jebel Musa and the Rock of Gibraltar. And um, it's cool map making. You got to admit to that, right? Oh yeah, it's it's, it's fantastic. Not, I love it. It's not ac. It's cool, but it's not exactly accurate map mapping unless <laughs> you're in the mind of the animist. 
who sees this way, who sees this way, who, just like the Lakota Sioux who travel around the, the Black Hills. And they ultimately, their ascension point, their, their Sundance ceremony was at Devil's Tower for them, Bear Lodge, in the same place that Steven Spielberg has his people um, experience the close encounters of the third kind. It's part of who we are. We can't escape this stuff. No, I, th- I think it's important to realize that animism played such a role and maybe have some more reverence for it. Like, I think we've lost that. And I think it's an important part to try and bring back. 2021, I gave this at the USIPP, which is the biggest academic prehistory conference in the world. And it was for just, just so happened that that year was in Morocco. And uh, the Moroccans loved it. That's great. <laughs> yeah, good job. Okay, yeah, so here's the so so this, this gets the story gets even deeper, like a lot deeper. We're 34,000 years ago. Now, about about eight or nine years ago, there was a, there was a discovery and that the first Homo sapiens were or the earliest Homo sapiens going back to 300,000 years ago were dug out of a cave called Jebel Erhud in Morocco. OK, and so the whole story, the whole human history timeline just changed because before it was in south southeast um, africa but it's it's you know eighty thousand years earlier in morocco so why couldn't those those people in morocco three hundred thousand years ago have been the same people that made this gallery of discs ultimately made the gallery of discs thirty four thousand years ago because they had jebel tobacal and the pareidolia of the animals represented because it was they didn't make it it was there remember perseus petrified the um Atlas and the animals. So the, they had this 200,000, 250,000 years before we find the first art is these people were living in the same place and they had the same imagery. And so why would you, why would they be living on a mountain? Well, it's pretty, it's climate as we, as you've heard, you've had a lot of people on talking about climate change and over the tens of thousands of years. Well, you can go up and down the slopes of the mountain, depending on the climate. And Jebel Tobokal is, um, it's glacier. And so it's always water coming down. And and it, and it feeds the it feeds the lower streams and the grass. So you could have complete desert, complete desert in that part of Sahara. But Jebotobokal has water. Yeah. And also the barber ape that I showed earlier is indigenous to um to the Atlas Mountains. And if you want to go see him, you would go to Jebotobokal. Uh, hmm. So that's why you would live in the mountain. That's why mountains were so important. And but the so that so this is this is probably what happened. Okay, so the, the Phoenicians had the story. They had the whole they had the whole thing. Okay, um, the they passed it on to the Egyptians. The Egyptians had pieces of the story. They 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 knew what this image looked like, but they didn't know that they it was a split image, the mountain and the the north to south view from from the rocket ball to Jebel Musa. They passed it on to two people that we know about. One person is Plato, and Plato comes back with his narrative of Beyond the Pillars of Hercules. The other person they passed to is a, a Greek called Eudoxus, a name you probably never heard. Eudoxus is the one who brought all this astronomy into the Greek record. He was an astronomer. He wasn't a philosopher. He wasn't a politician. He wasn't, you know, the, you know whatever Plato was. So he was a scientist, and he brought all this material into the Greek record that we have until today. But Eudoxus never saw... He he. So they both. By the way, Eudoxus and so Plato both went to the Egyptian priests and you know, and, the, and they learned. But what Eudoxus Eudoxus had the night sky, but he didn't have the geographic map. Plato had was told or seen something of this geographic map, 
map, but he misinterpreted the Strait of Gibraltar um, and the, the island, well, the island beyond the Strait of Gibraltar, oh, what he thought was an island, was actually Jebatobaco Jebet- Mad Atlas, which we can actually show graphically through these images. And so the, and then from there we you go forward. You got you know people have pieces of stories, and and then eventually you you've got a um, you've got a lot of books and uh, videos made about something that was true, but it wasn't the truth that we we had ultimately learned until this presentation was the first time I've ever done it this way for the guys at Grimerica. Thanks, buddy. Well, you know, you, you've you know you've promised me up beyond every three or four months. Darren's going to send me backstrap of his next elk. Um, I think that's a good deal. What do you think? Yeah, it sounds good. It is. They get real, <laughs> real sooky at the border about that kind of stuff. <laughs> do they? Oh, you. Oh, you. Since so, Sylvan across the border, you you know, we'll pack it. You know, real cold. It'll, it'll be good. You can't we'll send me any guns I'll or meet you at the uh, at the at the crossing, and we'll throw it over the fence. We'll throw it a fence, yeah. Can you so can you guys now pull me down from the my screen? My so yeah, we've got it, you. we've got it off, so now it's just us again on here. Yeah. Okay, so how do I I need to get out of I need to get out of this you get I want to see you guys again. Oh yeah, no, we, we can see you, so I'm not sure I, why you can't see us. Hmm. Okay, because I'm still looking at I still got my uh oh, weird. presentation yeah. going. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I just I what I don't want to do is hit an exit because then I'll we'll just yeah. lose the whole yeah the whole. But we got to wrap it up here, anyways. We got a show in a couple yep. minutes here, so thanks cool for stuff. coming on so, again, eh, Bernie? Yeah, we'll do it again. Everybody out there in podcast land, yeah, yeah. Orion.com, go take a look. Yeah, thanks. Do it Bernie. again, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. Come back soon. <laughs> be up there for some backstrap. <laughs> Have a good one, Bernie. Thank you. Bye, guys. And that was a chat with Bernie Taylor coming back to America again. Well, that flew by. Holy. It did. Yeah. What'd time you, what'd you think? Oh, my God. So, so this is a good one. Yeah, That's that was good. I've looked at it layered like that, which was kind of neat. So I encourage Maybe you to more YouTube video for that one. We've got a couple of videos with Bernie, of course. Big thanks to Bernie for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks if you're choosing to support us over at grandmarker.ca slash support. We can't do this without you guys. We need you. We need you now more than ever. Head over there today. Sign up. grandmarker.ca slash support. You can do a monthly, one-time donation. Whatever's easier. Other than that, get on some trips. Contact at thecabin.com. Get some audio books over at adultbrain.ca. Everything else we do is over at grandmarker.ca. Other than that, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. All your secrets to get a good handle on a better way to live How does one get out of bed every day in the throes of the apocalypse? Should I bury my head in the sand? Or sabotage their evil plan? I feel really trapped An ant burned by a magnifying glass It's all a little bit too convenient All the evidence went up in flames Phonies, fraudsters, scammers belong in the slammer My friend best give up their names Should I call on militia man? Or pass out a petition pen? I feel really trapped 
An ant burned by a magnifying glass I don't know what y'all been told But I got a soul made out of gold Sound off One, two Sound off Three, four Cadence count One, two A big ball Some time ago a crazy dream came to me I dreamt I was walking into World War III As prophetic as humanity As aching bones As frantic animals Sophia rode it down Built an ark, now she floats it down A river in the dark As prophetic as deja vu As wormwood As falling stars above Sophia rode it down, built an ark, now she floats it down, a river dark. I can't even hear my own thoughts for the life of me over the din of a bruised and broken culture. The media spins and splatters and spins and clatters and I cringe because it's psychological warfare. Don't you feel yourself getting really mad? How did we let it get this bad? Don't you feel really trapped like a brain in a vat? to close Pandora's box but sirens are singing me off a cliff I'm looking to hitchhike to Shangri-La over yonder Sophia would you give me a lift hopped out of the Hegelian rebellion say goodbye to all you Machiavellians let evil destroy itself I'm bound for Shangri-La Shangri-La My dream if I could be in yours As prophetic as morning doves As groundhogs As falling stars above Sophia rode it down Built an ark Now we're floating it down A river dark As prophetic as white wolves As butterflies As rainbows Sophia sings a plane, now we're taking flight above a river bright.
Shangri-La.